Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of games such as GTA Online, Destiny 2 Beta, Pokemon Go and some massive failures around that game. Terry Crews and why he's not Doomfist in Overwatch. In Overwatch, yes. And finally, we'll be talking about the India pricing of some games such as Assassin's Creed Origins. All right so as always in this episode we have our games editor Rishi Alwani greetings friend of the podcast Mukhil Madnani hello and I'm your host Pranay Parab so first of all we should start by talking about this uh, GTA online and how it has influenced the direction in which Rockstar and 2K will be going in the future yeah so uh, what happened was uh, during E3 2017 gamesindustry.biz which is an ind- which is one of the biggest uh, business focused uh, game game websites on the planet interviewed Strauss Zelnick who is the CEO of uh, 2K of Take-Two. Take-Two is the parent company that owns Rockstar and as you all know Rockstar has made uh, the Grand Theft Auto series. Um what is interesting was aside from the usual facts and figures that were stated that yeah 25 million of GTA 4, 80 million of GTA 5 is the fact that the online component of uh, GTA 5 which is known as GTA Online has fundamentally transformed uh, how rockstar as a, as a business unit operates how rockstar as a studio operates traditionally now while he didn't go into detail of what that meant uh, let let's just give you it's it'll be good to give you readers some sort of a backdrop as to how triple a game studios used to function so what what used to happen was uh, they'd spend a couple at least 2 to 3 years working on a game and once that game is shipped out the door you move on to the next thing but because uh, of gta online success there's no moving away from the ne- uh, moving away to the next thing because you're busy providing support events access assets uh content for GTA online which is now much bigger and dwarfed i think it's already dwarfed what they made in, from GTA 5 alone in terms of online transactions and uh, the user experience so um what so what this essentially means is that for a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 which is now slated for next year it could have potentially could have a bigger online component than we previously thought earlier leaks had suggested that red dead redemption 2 would have three protagonists which you'd switch between from like gta 5 as well as an online multiplayer mode now red dead redemption had an online multiplayer mode as well but it wasn't that fleshed out it was just you know bare bones in a way so this time around uh, we can expect it to be a deeper part of the game and for all you know it could essentially being integrate it could essentially be integrated into the main ga- game itself this has been done in the past we've seen it with uh, of all games metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain where if you connected to the web uh, while you're playing the game if you're online you can have people invade your game world and mess up your resources and base building assets within that game so we may see something similar here i don't know but long story short is you can expect a heavier dependency on live services and online access for red dead redemption 2 versus prior games from rockstar and frankly i don't know how that's going to turn out mike I personally don't I'm not sure how they're going to progress going forward because like so many eyes on them GTA 5 is like one of the best selling games of all time now it's uh, it's nearing I think I don't remember if it crossed Minecraft or if it's nearing Minecraft like when you look at the best selling games ever there's like Super Mario Brothers Minecraft and GTA 5 are like nearing the top so I don't know like it's going to be very difficult for them I think to recapture the momentum because uh, 
like the thing with GTA 5 was uh, everyone buys a GTA game but Red Dead Redemption is not a GTA game even though it has this whole following and it sold i think decently it didn't sell too well but it sold pretty decently like 10 million what was the last figure i think uh, around 13 uh, was last or recent yeah so that's like minor compared to uh, GTA 5 True. and uh, and GTA 5 remains in the top selling charts across all countries i think except japan like yeah. every time like weekly charts for pal regions as we see npd gta 5 is always there though surprisingly for india though gta 5 wouldn't feature in that list it'd be gta 4 because of the price difference yeah gta 4 G- pc version yeah, is what it's still 49 is is for is 499 rupees which is for our international listeners a little under 10 dollars so a lot of people end up buying that instead and still play it that it doesn't even like run uh, decently on like modern pcs so like i, I don't yeah. really don't know why that thing is still selling in fact i, I don't even know if uh, the GTA 3 and Vice City and San Andreas PC versions which keep like they the distributors keep importing over here i mean i have copies of them for the collection i have no idea if those things still work no they would work i uh, mean i have no idea how they work on windows 10 because that's oh, yes. what most people are using uh, i know some of the steam versions had some issues where you need to apply some fan stuff to get the stuff yep, to run yep. but uh, yeah <laughs> but what's also surprising is uh, strosselnik also said that uh, they expect Uh, they don't expect Red Dead Redemption 2 to be as big as GTA 5. I mean, it's smart that you say that. It's smart that that he said that because it keeps uh, investor expectations tempered. It keeps fan expectations tempered. And to be honest, for a company that releases, I mean, usually a couple of games a year uh, outside of WWE and uh, NBA. Yeah, all the 2K games. Yeah, aside yeah. from the 2K lineup, I think it's a pretty smart move uh, to you know make sure people aren't uh, hyped because. Let's be be honest. Everyone in this room is definitely interested in Red Dead Redemption 2 in one for one reason or another. Me to basically tie people to railway tracks so that you know trains can run over them. Mike to probably I don't know shoot down dogs and bears. I think, huh. and Pranay maybe for the story. Yeah, definitely the story. Uh, okay. And then. perhaps any Will Smith references because Wild Wild West. <laughs> All right then. So uh, moving on, um, I think we should just talk about the India angle here. Um, we know something about Assassin's Creed India pricing and also that of some other PC games, right? So yeah. So what's happened is uh, in a post GST world, there was speculation was rife that uh, games would be priced a lot higher, and uh, in a and even after Steam hiked its price, that was also the expectation that prices would go up. that hasn't been the case and if the any price hike has been minimal and in some case negligible so for uh, the negligible one for example is shadow of war where the console version of the game is uh 3499 for a ps4 xbox one uh there is a pc version which is also cheaper than what it is on steam steam i think is close to 4000 rupees it's 4000 on steam yeah. uh and the pc version at retail is going to be 2999 but there's a catch yeah there There's a catch and there's no disc. That's the catch. Yeah, so there's so no disc. It's coded box. This is kind of like how uh, uh, some some distributors, some publishers move to this model where you just buy a box and there's a Steam code inside. Mm. And if there's a disc, it's usually just the Steam installer. So they're saving money on even the disc, which frankly, people who are buying this already have Steam. So I don't think it makes a difference. But uh, yeah, this is a, a triple fold increase on the price in Shadow of Mordor because that was nine 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 on PC in India. Yeah, so Shadow of Mordor was nine nine nine. That was when two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen, nine nine nine. Now they're going three times higher at two triple nine, and it's not without merit because, uh, uh, well, see, here's the thing: uh, games from Warner Brothers uh, are not region locked, 
and India usually gets a cheaper price. We saw that happen even at uh, Batman Arkham Knight, where it was a 999 price point. And um, even let- the Lego games, uh, which used to like when Lego games used to be here on PC physically, they used to be 499 and they were region free at the yeah. time, except the ones which said games for Windows Live, which was the very old games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like it's probably going to be a region free code, but 2999 is still a lot more than what most people here would want to pay on PC for it. But the, there is the reason for that is simple is uh, they, they don't want uh, re- other retailers to send the game to other countries, which tends to happen. And to the point where I know that some retailers uh, have their, have a system in place essentially where all they need to do is scan the game's key. It shows up on an Excel sheet and the Excel sheet is shipped off to some other retailer in, in Europe or US who, who wants to buy keys for cheap and sell off to other people. So uh, the reason, that's, that's one reason for the price hike on PC. And secondly, it's also a business angle, right? Because when, when you know that when you've been in this market long enough and you know people aren't going to buy more than X quantity, why, why do you want to... Uh, why do you want to make less money on X when you can make more money by charging higher? It's basic basic greed at the end of it. And I, I can't blame them for it because for the longest time, the PC community here has uh, gotten good pricing but hasn't exactly reciprocated in kind. The PC community is still such where even if a game is $9.99, $6.99, uh, even $12.99, $14.99, there's always, you always have a bunch of people waiting for it to be cracked. So, I mean, at the end of it, you can't blame companies for taking a harsher stance and it's frankly long time overdue. But that's one part of it where it's still negligible, at least on the console side, because, you know, at least over there, people are still buying games. But yeah, the, this, the 2999 is not because of GST. No, so it's we not We should make GST. that clear. It's, it's not... just, uh, I mean, Warner, the, the first game where Warner actually like increased their prices a lot was uh, Lego City Undercover. Yep. Uh, that I believe that's forty dollars on PC abroad and it's sixty dollars on console. But what happened is, uh, since Lego City Lego games come here officially on console, we get good pricing for them. Lego City Undercover was two four nine nine on uh, Xbox and PS4. The Switch version didn't make it here, but uh, Warner Brothers forty dollar conversion in India on Steam is two seven five zero. So a forty dollar game abroad is more expensive in India than a sixty dollar game abroad. Yeah. So that was the first game they did this with and that's what they're going to do going forward. So $60 games, which are usual full price AAA games, are going to be 4000 in India on Steam. Yeah, and but and it's also, so like I said, that's one publisher where you're seeing some anomalies in the system. But for most console gamers, it's business as usual. The other one is Ubisoft, where Assassin's Creed Origins, which is, uh, well, the next game in the Assassin's Creed franchise after two years, is uh, 3599 for Standard, 3799 for Deluxe. And there'll be... Uh, other special edition in the works, which hopefully by the time this podcast goes up should be live, which should be around I think five triple nine if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken. I think it'll be more, possibly more. I think seven triple nine is what we're looking at because it's a hundred and twenty dollars abroad yeah. from what I know, and it's a and uh, uh, no, that's the collector's edition. The gold edition still hasn't been up for pre-order. That's probably going to be five triple yeah, nine. Yeah, five triple nine. That has a a season pass. It has a steel book and it has everything the deluxe edition contains. I think that's what they have started yeah. doing. Uh, what's interesting is they've moved to actually selling the deluxe edition at a higher tier than a standard copy because what happened with Ghost Recon and For Honor, everyone who bought the game day one would get a deluxe edition for the price of standard at yep. 3499 But uh, this, uh, I think the, the distributor E-Express Interactive moved to this model with Final Fantasy XII because the Steelbook edition and the standard edition are usually the same price for games abroad. Yeah. 
at least in these cases but uh, 2499 was a standard edition of final fantasy 12 the zodiac age and 2799 was a steel book edition and they know most people want the steel book so yeah, yeah. they probably uh, i mean if you're spending 3599 on a game which is not a small amount of money you may as well put in like 200 more and like get a soundtrack maps posters depending on what they do so uh, i don't see the point in even doing this like you may as well list it at 3799 standard and then once the stock is over release the older one i think that's what i think they should yeah but anyway point is uh assassin's creed gets a small hike 100 rupees on console yeah that's probably what uh, many ubisoft games will have but uh, mario rabbids kingdom battle which is another triple a game which is switch exclusive is 60 dollars abroad and that remains at 3499 in india i think that, that even has a ce which is uh, 5999 yeah and i think that that anomaly has to do with the fact that the switch doesn't have a huge audience yeah, so, so they, damned they, if you do damned if you like don't just like dipping your toes in the water to see yeah. because uh, eXpress Interactive is the official distributor for both Warner and Ubisoft and both of them are supporting the Switch quite heavily i mean we're seeing them uh, bringing every Lego game going forward on Switch now yeah. and uh, yeah and Ubisoft's Rayman Origin uh, Rayman Legends Definitive Edition is making it here 2499 which is a really good price and it's in September yep so That's the, that's the update on pricing where uh, where if you're on PS4 Xbox one not much to worry about if you're on Switch well great that the games coming your way and they Cheap. aren't they aren't too expensive either I mean compared to uh, if you like look at CEX's website and look at the prices of even the indie games like Binding of Isaac they're all like 5000 yeah, and all so, which is a joke So yeah and, like uh, but I think the only people who really suffer is not because of GST it's just in general publishers want to make more money and uh, the audience isn't helping them with yeah. low prices so yeah PC gamers PC, are pretty screwed yeah, going forward in India aren't getting the PC guys aren't getting uh, that much value but then I mean that's also to be said the fact that the market hasn't grown that much most of PC gaming here is still uh, Dota and Counter Strike right so then what what can you do as a publisher but that's a situation because like even Assassin's Creed Origins or uh, to reiterate something that's been on our site several times and we've talked about in several other podcasts Ubisoft isn't bringing PC games on disc in India anymore so if you're looking for Assassin's Creed Origins on disc that's not happening your best bet is to pick it up on Steam or a, probably a third party key site that may have it on discount like cdkeys.com I'm not too sure but yeah those are your options man i mean you're you're basically not going to have too many options on that side of the fence yeah so um, since we are on the bad news train anyway uh, why not talk about pokemon go and the massive fail that happened at the chicago fest oh so uh, what so now because it's been a year since pokemon goes out and naturally since it's one year old niantic and the pokemon company are, are having a host of events the world over uh, japan's going to be having one next month uh, in yokohama which will uh which will basically celebrate everything to do with pokemon and you can catch rare stuff and they have events around that europe gets a few events as does us as usual india doesn't get jack doesn't get anything at all nothing but then so anyway chicago was host to a pokemon event uh where uh, people traveled far and wide to show up and um uh, john hank the ceo of niantic took the stage uh to talk about to welcome people in talk about the game and stuff like that and well what do you know most people couldn't even play the game it wasn't accessible it was a complete mess uh these events are really popular for uh, are really popular for hardcore fans because you can get rare pokemon around this time and uh, most of them couldn't get anything and because of it was such a mess uh, uh niantic offered them 100 dollars worth of uh, in game items because it was that messy i think they gave them a rare or legendary pokemon also yeah i think lugia it was 
Yeah. They all look the same toes. to me. <laughs> no, they don't. But like, yeah. So they should have given more. But like, if they actually gave a hundred dollars of uh, in-app stuff, I think that's pretty decent. That's Poke Coins. I think. Yeah, gave, and yeah. Niantic themselves apparently were super horrified about the entire thing. But I, I do believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that guys, your game is a year old. If you're not going to be aware that people care and people play it, then who's look? Are you even looking into your metrics? Are you looking into what people are doing in the game? I think it's more of like uh, you know, congestion happens whenever there are like concerts in India and all mm-hmm. because so many people are there. That also could have caused a problem. So, but they should have expected it because people will turn up in hordes for this. And uh, if uh, it was in Chicago, so if AT and T or T Mobile or Sprint or whatever or Verizon. The network can't handle it. Like, yeah. don't have the event. So Was the it a problem due to network issues or server yeah, issues? Yeah, network issues. Network issues. And and the f- fact is, Niantic study confirmed that attendees will get their tickets refunded mm. and given a hundred dollars in uh, Poke coins as well as a legendary like, Pokemon Lugia. They should give or them or Luigi or Luigi. Why not Mario? Uh, am I right? They anyway. should just like you know give everyone a copy of. A pre-order of Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon, and say play a real Pokemon game instead. Yeah, but then the response from the audience <laughs> will be that, "Bro, my iPhone can't run it." So Too bad. That's the thing. <laughs> and it was it was really really weird, right? Because you'd think they'd know they'd be able to fix this by now. You'd think that they'd put more strength behind the infrastructure, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And uh, it's also a little disturbing because it just goes to show that the more games become services, the more likely things like this is going to happen. And I mean, let's be honest, right? On one side, of, on the one side of the fence, you have companies like Apple and Microsoft trying to push AR and VR to, to its limits, and on the other end, you have the reality, which is people showing up in the US, paying for tickets to an event, and uh, get their money back because nothing worked. Yeah. So overall, this shows like how much this company is inexperienced and how that is really like affecting people, because everybody who's ever been to a concert, as you said, knows that network issues are going to be a problem. Now you can't just say our servers are ready to handle this traffic if the infrastructure around it is not there. So the least they could have done is provided like some kind of uh, public Wi-Fi hotspots or something. Yeah, they should the have venue. done. They should have done something where, uh, uh, or maybe like if you're doing one of these events, have local functionality built into your yeah, thing, w- yeah. which doesn't just rely on the cellular network at it's all. It's called Street Pass and Spot Pass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, like in Singapore, like you go to a mall and you get like 30 uh, street passes yeah. from people who are like playing stuff on their 3DS and all this really good. So. Yeah. So, yeah, um, hopefully the next event, which is at Yokohama, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully that one is the Pikachu inspired. outbreak yeah. where you went to last year. Yep. Mm. So, yeah, let's hope that that one isn't as much of a disaster. But yeah, it's just really sad to see that even one year later, the company can't get its uh, infrastructure problems right. First, it was server issues. Now, network issues. Uh, let's hope the next one is better. Anyway, so Rishi, you want to tell me something about the Steady Cruise, Doomfist, Overwatch, whatever. Okay, so uh, for those of you who have been who are regular listeners, you do know that we play a lot of Overwatch on the podcast. Lot of. Yeah, a lot of. Don't exaggerate, man. Used to. I still I do. I don't even remember how to play that anymore. With I still anyway, do. Anyway, we'll get so, to that. Yeah. We'll Overwatch play. <laughs> Point is, uh, so new a new character is going to show up on uh, J- July 27th. Uh, it's called Doomfist. Yeah. Doomfist is basically, uh, in terms of Overwatch lore, he's this big badass villain who who whose one fist can shoot shotgun rounds and the other and do one some stuff to tracer also and the other one can basically summon meteor strikes and stuff like that ah, so, so basically arms is invading overwatch now kind of so yeah mm. so for so so what is amusing was that he wasn't supposed to be a character in the game uh, he was just referenced in the very first trailer uh, where his gauntlet was the subject of a fight between uh, 
between Reaper, Reaper, Widowmaker, Tracer, and Winston. And well, we all know how that turned out because that was the classic Overwatch announcement trailer where everyone needs heroes and stuff like that. So he was just a mention in the trailer, right? And after that, uh, fan the demand from fans intensified and everyone wanted to know when Doomfist was coming into the game. So Blizzard actually had to go ahead and create the character, create lore around it. So he's one of the... Uh, villains rather if you'd put it that way one of the generals of this organization called Talon which is full of which has Reaper as one of their other generals and Widowmaker also as a part of it so they're the bad guys as per Overwatch lore and uh, rumor had it for the longest time that Terry Crews the guy who was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the Old Spice commercials and has memes on himself and uh, essentially is a part of the PC master race because he built a PC whoopee do was supposed to play uh Doomfist. And uh, well, that didn't happen. They got, we got another actor for it. And uh, there was a fan outlash. Fans were like pissed off because they expected him to be a Doomfist, but that wasn't the case. Blizzard finally has said that, uh, well, he wasn't the right fit for the role. He wasn't the right fit for what they wanted. And they're still pretty cool. No, no harm, no foul. And so that's essentially why he's not in the game. Uh, but I mean, it was amusing, right? Because for months leading up to Doomfist, for months leading up to what new heroes Overwatch was coming in, uh, there's always that, uh, there's always some attack, there's always going to be one a mention or two of two, Terry, Terry Crews coming into the game, Terry Crews coming into the game. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I think Terry Crews is, or uh, either his own PR is really good, or the fact that people are suffering a mass delusion that the guy who plays the Old Spice, uh, play, who, who's on the Old Spice commercials and a part of Brooklyn Nine-Nine would actually show up. But yeah, so a lot of uh, unhappy people about that. But I don't think it makes the game any worse or any better. The guy who's actually voicing Doomfist is pretty cool. So yeah, that. Outrage for outrage's sake. I think uh, this patch is also going to include the loot box changes. Yes. Which uh, are very important for a lot of people because uh, like you level up, you earn a loot box. And uh, a lot of people are angry because there's a very small percentage. You get a legendary item and... uh, most people usually get like duplicate legendaries, which means you have to wait even more depending on your luck to get another one. So now they've changed the loot box duplicate system where uh, it's going to be very hard to get a duplicate once of an item you already have. So for people who like every few months, they buy a few loot boxes, there's a higher chance now you'll get the stuff you're missing in your collection. So that's going to be good. And speaking of loot boxes, uh, on 27th worldwide, no date for India yet. Uh, Overwatch Game of the Year edition is getting a retail release and it's going to be $40. So that's the new price. It's not 60 anymore for the Origins edition. It's just 40 And this includes everything the Origins edition has, which was in-game skins for like a few people and uh, in-game goodies in like Diablo, Hearthstone and World of Warcraft and Starcraft. And it has 10 Overwatch loot boxes. So yeah, you're basically getting $70 of value for 40 going forward now once this launches. Hmm. It's not going to launch in India. We don't have a date yet. It may come, may not come. No clarity uh, yet. Yeah, so right right now we've got no official comment from the distributor about this, whether it's coming or not. But they usually like, they, we expect it to go up like uh, on Games Shop or something with an announcement soon after because uh, so far almost everything that's released from Blizzard has shown up here. Yeah, but then the, the, well, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way is that uh, if you look at how Overwatch has been discounted in India to 2499, and if you look at how the game has only been selling at retail at a discounted price, hmm. leads me to believe that it might not happen anytime soon. I think uh, once the stock gets over, 
when they order a new batch yes. it will have to be the new one yeah when the stock gets over if the stock gets over yes the next lot will probably be this but if you are the sort who's waiting for the game of the edition to hit retail at the time of recording this podcast we haven't heard anything yet and i we would advise that just pick up what's on the shelf you're not missing much yeah because the game of the year edition is going to be 40 dollars which means in india the price would be between 2499 and 2999 and if you know where to look you can already get overwatch for around that much so you're essentially just missing the loot boxes mm. not really a big deal if you like you really want to play but just make sure you pick up uh, if you're on console on ps on playstation just make sure your region matches your psn region yep. when you pick up the copy that's all yeah all right so finally destiny 2 beta Oh. oh, you mean Destiny 1.5 beta? Hey man, it's it's not 1.5. It's more like 0.5. Let, <laughs> let, let's be clear here. So in terms of it was well, I'm kind of get very conflicted on this one. Very very conflicted because um, it has a lot less content versus the Destiny one beta. You can't exactly visit any hubs. You can't go to any open world. You can't partake in any of the patrol missions. Uh, all you get is one single player mode a one single player mission and you which is the opening mission of the game which isn't inspired at all it's basically you move from one room to the next killing people there's no elegance or any level design that's really cool which is which sucks because they did that very well in taken king which is the expansion for destiny 1 um and you you get a strike and you you get a strike mode which is co-op and you get a and you get a multiplayer which is i mean same old same there's not not too much of a difference there but all in all it's just very it was just very underwhelming i think that would be the right word um it looked very nice though a really good looking game a lot liberal use of weather effects special effects it looked uh, the the gun models looked nice the gameplay was tight but it just felt uh lackluster you didn't get to do as much as you'd think you can and it and yeah by uh, by the time this podcast goes up it's probably over also which is a good thing cuz frankly it was quite disappointing i mean i know that bungie will deliver in terms of story they've done it in the past with with the previous halo games so i'm not worried about that but it's just it just seems that they forgot what made destiny 1 really good i mean i get it from one point of view that you want to improve over the first game and yes the first game was not perfect but you also forgot what made the first game really cool the first game was cool because you essentially got this Power Rangers, generic Power Rangers template of a character, who you customize and build and make him your own. Who who gets stats and spec and weaponry of his own, and uh, you and you essentially use all that gear to create something that's very different and very special. Because uh, there's and and the and the the Destiny One beta showed that off very well. You got access to a tremendous amount of gear, a tremendous amount of loot, and it made the customization and gameplay a lot cool. Here they say there will be a lot more loot. in the in the when the game hits there'll be a lot more to do in the game hits but if you're on the fence and if you thought okay uh the this is what will sell me on on destiny 2 well it won't in fact in my case i i was i was just i was going to put down money for the game with the season pass but i think i'll just put down money for the game if at all mm. so yeah bungie just lost 40 dollars straight from me but I mean that aside uh though these gripes aside I like what they're doing with the classes the classes you you get to do some cool stuff like uh uh sw- swing a she- swing swing an energy shield like your captain america you get a staff as one character and go full and go full gandalf on people which is really cool or you can just take a flaming sword and you know cut them down which is really nice so they're doing some cool things with the character classes the weapon descriptions are crazy good as usual uh there seems to be a lot more emphasis on lore But yeah, still not feeling it. So I would recommend if you're looking, if if this is a game that's on your list, I recommend waiting for reviews 
from reputable sites like gadgetsy60.com before buying that's what i'd say at this stage all right then so finally moving to mike's favorite part of the podcast uh, we're talking about games that we've been playing this week I think i'll go first uh, because i just um last night posted a review of pyre pyre is a third game from supergiant games who also made two games called uh, bastion and transistor both games are really really good uh, bastion and transistor uh, i really like them because they had an amazing soundtrack some really cool artwork and also this uh, really nice uh, narrator in both games so uh, bastion had a reactive narrator who would say things based on things you did so if you were taking for example the wrong path like uh, if you had to go right and you moved left then he would say things like the kid was going back to where he came from uh, but his destination lay on the other side or something like that and similarly transistor also had great uh, a great narrator in the sword um but pyre doesn't really have that uh, most of it is just uh, in one part of the game which i'll get to soon so uh, pyre is basically a fantasy game uh, more than like a science fiction which the previous two games were and uh, this game is basically divided into two parts one is the narrative where you uh, talk to characters explore more of the story explore the whole area called the downside and uh, your goal is to basically gain freedom and once you are liberated then you go back to the commonwealth which is the main country in in the game and you if you come to the downside that means you've been exiled for a certain crime uh, from the commonwealth so lots of people have been stuck in the common uh, in the downside for like 20 30 40 years and you party up with some of them form like a nice team of eight or nine people and that brings me to the second part of the game which is the battles fifa uh, yeah, not fifa more like uh, nba 2k 18 <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. come on and slam and welcome to the jam yeah so except that you know um it's uh, more fantasy than actual sports so there's one orb and you have like three players on each team and what you need to do is put that orb inside the other team's pyre so when you put it there then you uh, both teams have like the pyre has points so 100 points each so you bring it down to zero and when you bring it down to zero you win so uh, yeah you basically you could go with, go with it like two approaches one is just all out attack and uh, the second is you know all out defense so you can like you can try different things in the game different characters are there there are some fast characters slow characters some flying characters and it also adds a lot of um, variability to the gameplay only thing that d- didn't really sit um, right with me was in the game you can't i mean if you you can only control one character at a time so if yeah. you have a team of 3 then if you move character 1 character 2 and 3 stay where they are they don't move at all so if you see games like fifa nba all these uh, other sports games the entire team keeps moving constantly yep. there's like an ai element over there but over here you have to control every character yourself so they can only move uh, when you like sort of if you are not carrying the orb you have to hit x to switch if you're carrying the orb you hit x they the your character will pass the orb to the second or third character mm. and then they can move and once you score like which is once you dunk the pyre into the into the orb into the pyre after that the character who scored he disappears for the next round okay or she disappears for the next round so that means the next round you're handicapped you play with two characters instead of three so that way they kind of let you catch up also in case you're falling behind so yeah overall a pretty good game i thought the story was great as usual i did miss that narrator which was only there as a commentator inside the like battle game battle game in pyre um but yeah by and large i am already so, like sold on it um haven't finished it yet very close to the end and if you complete the game there's a local multiplayer versus mode that one also is adds another element to the game so uh so just a question 
If Super Giant were to make a Castlevania game, what would it be called? Walk with me in the pyre. No, vampire. <laughs> Isn't that like coming out in a few months from Don't Nod? Yeah, Don't Nod. The guys who made uh, Life, is Life is Strange. Apparently, they're working on a game called yeah. Vampire. You know, hmm. Chloe, life really is strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, this isn't Game of Thrones. Mm. You mean like The Last of Us? Oh, I see what you did there. Well, so Pyre nine on ten. Move on. How was the soundtrack? <laughs> Pretty good. I really like it. They, these guys are not only are they good at making good music, they're also very good at blending it with the game. Yeah, like they really. I think they have like I think twenty people or ten people in the studio. They're like fantastic. So like dubstep then, because basketball gameplay. So <laughs> no, not expect. that. The so, soundtrack uh, is still not out. The game should be available around the time the podcast goes up on yeah, Steam and on yeah. PS4. Uh, on both PS4 Pro and on Steam, it's about native 4K and higher on Steam, obviously. On PS4 standard, it's 1080 60, and uh, yeah, like looking forward to it. So. Yeah. yeah. So the soundtrack also like manifests itself in like other ways, where uh, at certain parts of the game, certain characters will say something uh, like they will mention something about going to uh, like crossing the sea and going to the other area, and um, that the ship will start sailing slowly. You will be going through the sea, and a sound like a proper song will start playing, and then and the song ends exactly as the ship. Like reaches the shore on the other side. Nice. So they've done it really nicely, blended it into the narrative, and it feels nice, calm, soothing. So yeah, overall so no, pretty good. So no Space Jam OST then. No, I no Space Jam OST. Mike. All right, Mike. So uh, been playing a lot of Splatoon 2. I started playing it on like Thursday when we got the game and uh, played probably 25 hours since then. Yeah. uh unlocked all the modes uh, haven't played much of the single player campaign or uh, did a lot of horde mode with people across the world like you salmon run basically salmon run yeah you have teams of four going into salmon run and there are three waves and you get promoted and demoted in rank and depending on your rank more bosses show up in the horde mode uh had a had like three games in a row where there was someone from japan someone from the us someone from uk and me in india and it worked without any lag that was really good uh the normal standard multiplayer mode is called turf war where you have to cover as much of the area with your own ink and uh, so been playing a lot of that already reached level 16 i think the cap is level 30 or level 50 level 30 is when you stop unlocking stuff uh been using the app also a bit on an extra ipad which i have and uh, the app is like not that great it's a web app but uh, there is exclusive gear which you can uh use in game from the app so yeah i'm using that because the gear is really good and it shows up once every i think once every 2 days there's been something worth picking up in yep. the app what is this nintendo switch online app yeah yeah the yes. nintendo switch so that's online. not available in india no yet, using right? it on the uk itunes account yeah so this is a problem with uh, nintendo isn't it like uh, i mean why would you say that your console is region free and then not make the app available across the world because like there are a lot of very like terrible design decisions in splatoon 2 which hold it back like it's an easy like when everyone reviewed overwatch i mean you know rishi gave it 10 like it's completely a 10 if splatoon 2 had some thought behind some of its modes and its unlocking it would be an easy 10 but now it's like you have sublime gameplay and like you have stupid design decisions stuff held into an app stuff locked behind grinding and yeah like it's maximum an 8 according to me mm. so then you have squid idols apparently cali and mari which is a big deal it seems mm. that was splatoon 1 not splatoon 2 same thing now they you just have these oh so one thing they apparently fixed is uh, in so uh, map rotation is every 2 hours there'll be a few maps which change out this applies to every mode in the game so 
if you're playing and you just finish a map you'll get a pop up which says multiplayer maps have been updated and you get thrown back to the main hub in the old split in splatoon 1 in, there's no just pop up which you dismiss there's like a whole 1 minute video you have to look at the cali and me mari talking about uh, which maps are going on and all and you can't skip that and now while they removed the thing if you're actually in game every time you boot up splatoon 2 and you're connected to the internet you have to waste 1 minute listening to them tell you which maps and i'm like do just let me get into a game quickly so yeah like some really stupid design decisions but yeah even i noticed that yeah it's like it's very very annoying and also yeah when they first introduced the game you can't like disable tilt Uh, That's fine because yeah. like I there's a reason for motion controls so I think you should check them out. Yeah the reason is sickness because mm-hmm. it's really bad. No it's not bad. It is. I mean you mm-hmm. have to disable it the moment you're done a tutorial it adds no value to the game whatsoever. It does. How? Uh it lets you like you can switch and move 180 degrees really easily if you use motion controls which you can't do using sticks. Okay. It'll take much longer unless you make sensitivity maximum on the sticks but like it's it, it's not ideal but uh, Yeah like when you play more depending on which weapons you'll see the use of motion controls because so, if you stick to like the easy the basic stuff like the duelies which was those two like handguns or you switch to the splat roller you won't really see that much use in them but when you start going into the precision stuff then yeah so long story short the motion controls let you flank an opponent faster let you blindside them a lot better and let you react in a they let you react much fashion. faster but the problem is how they are implemented is uh, like in the tutorial everyone even i got annoyed with it in both the global test fire and the splatfest and now when i got the game because it's not like how breath of the wild has motion controls where you use the right analog stick and use motion controls to give you uh, more accuracy yeah. over here motion controls are actually built into it where you can't i, I forget what is it like you can't uh, to look up and down you have to use motion controls yep. and to move left and right you have to use the right analog stick so it takes a lot of time to get used to but uh, i think they are not uh, they're not teaching you how to use it properly you need to experiment which no one is going to do everyone's just going to get into turf or have fun so True. yeah other than that been playing a lot of final fantasy 14 i think i've put more time in it in the last one week than i did in the last 3 years since it released so mm. i finally unlocked the ability to use mounts which uh, i got in the collector's edition in 2014 nice and uh, also a lot of people who i i like i say i used to play overwatch with are also playing final fantasy 14 now so i guess when doomfist releases will get back but yeah trying to finish the main final fantasy 14 story uh, in the next 2 weeks and then we'll decide whether to like do the expansions or not so yeah that's what i've been playing nice Well, yeah. in my case, uh, well, yeah, Destiny Two Beta, which is a lot of things and not all of it good, and to wash off that terrible mess, I've been playing rather replaying Bayonetta Two on the Wii U, which mm. is still pretty epic. I mean, hopefully we'll see it come to Switch. Still over the top, still crazy good fun. It's amusing how Platinum is able to use that one mechanic of stopping time when you dodge an enemy attack and basically take it to to such a degree where it. instead of becoming boring makes the game a lot more fun to play so it's nice to re- revisit that one so yeah basically those two and uh, yeah hopefully waiting out on on uh, getting my switch back and finishing off all the expansion pass content for uh, zelda so yeah that's my scene all right then so i think that's all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 and you can send us your questions comments feedback or hate mail at podcast@gadgets360.com 
and the music for this podcast comes via Magnus Solai Paulson his album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from thanks for listening